It's time to join the conversation on Seven Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, a podcast about healing after a stroke or any life-altering event. I'm Christine, your host and a stroke survivor. I had a pontine hemorrhagic stroke. Me and the whole Seven Jars team want you to join in. Learn, laugh, and know you're not alone. Welcome to the podcast of Seven Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, Episode 3, Season 2. The information and advice provided by Seven Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, Ken and Christine Jackson, the speakers and commentators on their podcasts, interviews and references in the book, are not a substitute for the advice and treatment plan provided by your own healthcare professional. Further, it's not intended to be an adjunct to any existing or proposed advice or treatment plan you may currently be receiving from your healthcare professional. One of the most important things we've come to realize is that each individual and their family's journey through a stroke or major life event and its recovery is truly unique. The story and information provided by ourselves and our guests is solely intended to let you and your family know that one, you're not alone. Other people and families have gone through or are going through similar experiences. Two, there are resources available that you may not be aware of that may help you or your family through the stroke recovery process. And three, there may be other treatment options available. Again, consult your healthcare professional regarding your treatment plan and do not follow the treatment plans that are discussed in the information that we have provided as it is solely intended and directed for Christine and her continuing care. Thank you. Now it's time for Quote of the Cast. There is one consolation in being sick, and that is the possibility that you may recover to a better state than you were ever in before. Henry David Thoreau. Our quote may seem strange, but it really does relate. Before my stroke, I had my whole life planned out. I figured I knew what I would be doing for the next month, next year, next five years. I had a plan. My stroke threw all my plans out the window while laughing at my arrogance that I thought I was in control. Am I better than before my stroke? Who knows? But I do know that it has led me down paths I would never before had considered, and it taught me some very important life lessons. I've learned the only thing I am in control of is how I respond to life. Part of my response is my desire to help others, which is why we have started this podcast. My life is very different than what I thought it would be, but that's okay. I'm still learning. Giving back... And most importantly, I'm still here. Introducing today's guest. Crystal Phillips 
is a former national level speed skater, multiple sclerosis victor, and now executive director of the Branch Out Neurological Foundation, a charity she co-founded in 2010 to accelerate innovative technologies and non-pharmaceutical approaches for neurological disorders. The Branch Out Foundation has raised over $2 million and funds top neuroscientists across Canada. It has become a catalyst for change in neurohealth care and is on track to be a global hub for non-pharmaceutical neuroscience. Crystal's calendar and to-do list is exciting and diverse, ranging from strategic planning, public speaking, fundraising, volunteer management, and networking galore. She was named one of 18 Canadian changemakers by CBC Canada to celebrate Canada's 150th. She made the top 30 under 30 by Explore magazine in 2012 and top 40 under 40 by Avenue magazine in 2016. When not moving mountains with the Branch Out Foundation, she's climbing them in the Rockies with her dog, Bear. Good morning. We are on location at Branch Out in Calgary, Alberta. Thank you, Crystal, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So in your own words, tell us your story. So my story actually starts back to when I was a young kid with the nickname Quadzilla. I had um, very large leg muscles and naturally fit into the sport of speed skating. I excelled really quickly in the sport, was nominated as a hopeful for the 2010 Olympics. I moved to Calgary where the National Training Center is and all was looking really, really good for a successful career as a professional speed skater. And going into the 2005 summer training, in a matter of three days, I lost feeling from my chest to my toes. I lost bladder control and I had double vision. And literally went from one of the top speed skaters in Canada to not walking in three days. Oh my goodness. So it was obviously shocking. And the doctors told me that I had multiple sclerosis, which is a degenerative neurological disease with no cure. Oh my goodness. And I think the worst part of all of it was they also said I would probably never speed skate at a competitive level again. And to me, that was really devastating. But at the same time, I was still a teenager at that time. And that's actually kind of a nice thing because you still have this invincible mindset that nothing Mm -hmm. bad can happen to you. And so I, as soon as I was able to um, start moving my body again, I was at home just recovering and literally just lying down all day. Um, I utilized the resources that I had on the national training team. So things like sports psychologists and and, um, chiropractors and massage therapists and coaches, you name it. And I utilized their expertise to help me walk again rather than speed skate again. And eventually I learned how to walk and then bike. And eventually I actually did speed skate again. And I remember racing my first competition and I cried myself to sleep that night at the end of the competition because my times were so sucky (laughs) compared to before I was sick. For sure. And I wake up the next morning and the entire left side of my body went numb. Oh. So it was pretty, um, again, a big shock. And also that moment of realization that 
I am not invincible and that mm-hmm. I really do have multiple sclerosis, this serious disease. Right. And I started to shift my attitude to focus on what can I do? What do I have rather than what can't I do? What don't I have? Right. And taking that mindset um, propelled me into the whole world of everything I can do in and outside of the conventional system. So I started taking a drug, a daily drug treatment, which was recommended by my neurologist. But then Mm -hmm. I also started to study nutrition and herbal medicine and trying all things natural healing. And slowly but surely, I was able to get back to a competitive level, qualifying for the trials for the 2010 Olympics in 2009. Wow. Yeah, so it was super fun to get back to this elite level. And you can just imagine the army of support that was behind me because they were all just as shocked as I was when I was (laughs) sick. And I go into the pre-Olympic season of training and overnight I lose vision in my left eye. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, very inconvenient considering Olympic trials were just around the corner, let alone the Olympics. And I got more tests done and Mm -hmm. my neurologist pulled me and called me into their office and said, I'm sorry, Crystal, but it looks like your disease is progressing. And, you know, there's a, there's a chance you could be in a wheelchair in the next couple of years, start organizing your life accordingly. And they recommended a much more aggressive drug treatment plan. And it was when they started listing all the many side effects that were very scary Mm -hmm. that I decided, you know what, I'm never going to know whether it's the complementary and alternative stuff that's working or the drugs if I do them together. And if I'm going to be in a wheelchair in two years, I pretty much have nothing to lose. So I might as well try, try something different. So I decided to go off all of my drugs completely, Mm -hmm. treat my disease 100% naturally, which was through diet and lifestyle and um, mental training techniques and you name it. I tried everything. And eight months later, I came six spots off the Canadian Olympic team. And nine years later is now. And although the listeners can't see me, um, (laughs) I'm in perfect health condition. I ran 10 kilometers this morning. I'm symptom free and I've been relapse free for nine years since going off my drugs. So I've had this incredible journey of successfully healing my MS, but I understand I'm one anecdotal case of an unpredictable (laughs) disease. So I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to the scientific community potentially. Um, but it's definitely coincidence worth noting. And through that personal journey, I noticed there were a few gaps in the system and that was the need for better quality and more research for non-pharmaceutical approaches to healing the brain and for all neurological disorders. Mm -hmm. Um, and to start looking at the brain and the nervous system as opposed to one disorder like MS, which is why... I started the Branch Out Neurological <laughs> Foundation. Great, yes. Um, yeah. And then we started our own field of study called NeuroCam, which stands for Neuroscience and Complementary and Alternative Modalities. Right. And fund all things non-pharmaceutical and innovative technologies for all neurological disorders. Wow, you've given us just an incredible story here, Crystal. And listeners, yes, I'm fortunate enough to be sitting across from Crystal, and she is the picture of health, a beautiful young woman that I'm so thrilled of your strength and your courage and your strength and resilience to share your story with us today and all our listeners. Thank you. So you had your life planned out and you had some amazing goals and dreams. You said you did utilize um, your team from your Olympic training, including sports psychologists. So did you go through any periods where you felt you had lost a part of your identity? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind sharing yeah. some of that with us? For sure. It's it's so interesting when you hear a condensed story of, of I mean, this is, this was 13 years ago, right. this 13-year story. Right. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I sort of capture the highlights. But, of course, at the beginning, I reacted like any human mm-hmm. would, would react. And I, you know, the, my world ended. And... I went through the same issues of why me and you know right. the I was an athlete and everybody catered to me as a as an athlete and so to have something like this go so wrong and to be mm-hmm. sort of discarded even in sport to be you know you're no longer going to be that elite athlete anymore mm-hmm. people start to change around you and so there were a lot of um there were a lot of things that I had to deal with on an emotional and spiritual and personal level. Huge um, amount. Yeah, to be able to handle that sort of thing. Right. And um, I mean, ultimately, when you can persevere through those emotions and you have the resources like psychologists and a healthy, mm-hmm. um, caring family to right. support you, um, it, it helps you create resilience so that you actually become stronger from it. So I, I use the tools that I learned from overcoming the, those obstacles when I was a teenager right. to this day when I have obstacles running the Franchot Foundation. That's very true. And as I've always said, we can't control life, but we can control how we respond to what life throws at us. So you're an example of that. So how did your family move here to Calgary with you when you came to do the training? Were they here to support you through this? They were, yes. So I I lived on uh, with roommates, speed, other speed skater friends and other right. friends. And um, when I was first sick, I was pretty incapable of doing a lot of things. Right. So my mom lived with me for a while. And I even remember she was kind of panicking and not knowing really how to help. And I remember right. coming down and she was just like frantically pulling all the seeds out of a pomegranate because she just didn't, she knew I liked pomegranates. She knew I could, didn't have great motor movement. And she was just pulling out seeds and putting them in a container and it was like her coping mechanism (laughs) it sort of reminds me of like my mom's love for me is pomegranate seeds (laughs) because no one likes picking the pomegranate seeds out Um, but that's like one tiny example of so many ways that my family and friends um, all supported me um, in an unbelievable way Oh, fantastic and there's nothing like a mother's care and love when you're sick yeah thank you so you said you were worried about all the side effects from so many medications to deal with your multiple sclerosis. So is that what prompted you to find the non-pharmaceutical remedies? Um, not initially, actually. I just okay. wanted to absolutely everything I possibly could so that I didn't feel the way I did and so that I could speed skate again. Okay. So, I mean, I, at the beginning, I was doing a lot of the pharmaceutical drugs um, okay. and then a, a lot of the um, nutrition stuff and uh, supplements and I tried everything so okay. to me it didn't matter whether it was pharma or non-pharma I just wanted it to help and today I have the same attitude oh, okay. I just found that there's a lack of credibility and awareness and respect for the non-pharmaceutical stuff and I think there's mm-hmm. a huge missed opportunity for health practitioners for conventional therapists and for patients themselves to be able to access that that area of of therapy oh I agree and I mean, we hear it along with so many other health commercials, the benefits of a healthy lifestyle. So you're definitely right on the, on the right track. So when you were developing some of your non-pharmaceutical treatments, did you consult doctors or other health experts to help you with that? 
yeah. So I, of course, I, I, I just kept building a team and that was a very natural attitude as an elite athlete. Uh-huh. Um, so it wasn't something that was intuitive. It's just something I learned through sport. And mm-hmm. so I found naturopaths and natural doctors and conventional doctors and neurospecialists and psychologists and acupuncturists. But wow. yeah, I, I sort of outsourced my life and found <laughs> the... Um, found the experts in all, a bunch of different areas and tried to take all of their advice with a grain of salt and ultimately trust how I felt in my body mm-hmm. and and um, learned. I mean, this is another thing as an athlete, you're very in tune with your body. And so I trusted mm-hmm. that I knew how my body felt and I knew how my body was reacting to certain therapies I was trying. That's great. Yeah. Listen to our own bodies and what makes us feel healthy. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It sounds like it was a lot of work and you were very tenacious in pursuing that for your own health. So congratulations. So you have found success with your own treatment. Is that partly what um, motivated you to create Branch Out? It's 100% the reason oh, okay. what motivated me to create Branch Out. Yeah. I mean, I want to help other people. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I try to look from a a high level, what were the pain points and what were the barriers from helping other people achieve this kind of success? Right. So I found a lot of experts and friends and people who knew a lot more than I did in, in neuroscience and healthcare and healing. And I started to find and discover these gaps. I started to um, create programs to start filling them. And to this day, I'm always discovering it's trial and error and creating mm-hmm. programs to increase research um, in non-pharmaceutical areas, utilizing technology so that we can increase efficiency and effectiveness of how we work and how the therapies might work. Right. Um, and then also uh, working with people to help bring that research out of the lab so it can mm-hmm. actually get into the hands of people suffering from neurological disorders. Oh, that's amazing. And you're a living example of how non-pharmaceutical techniques can work. So tell us about the inception of Branch Out. I'd read some interesting things online, but let's hear it from you. Yeah, I mean, I think everything everything happens with that initial idea, but ideas are cheap, so you have to really <laughs> um, pursue it. And mm-hmm. I, ha- I remember I had a drink with a friend and he motivated me to, yeah, this is a good idea, let's do something. And the two mm-hmm. of us, um, his name's Graham Daw, the two of us, we really liked biking. Mm-hmm. Um, we both had a, a great group of friends who were um, in all athletes, and so they all liked biking. And so we thought, oh, let's play our strengths and let's fundraise by mm-hmm. throwing a bike tour out in Panorama, BC. Oh, wow. And so <laughs> we threw a bike tour. We had 150 of our closer friends and family, and then and then we fundraise about $50,000. And we're like, wow, okay, this is cool. On and your first bike tour. On our first bike tour. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that was eight years ago. Really? And since then, the bike tour has grown to a point where it's raising over a quarter of a million dollars wow. now. And next year, we're hoping it'll raise half a million dollars, just that one event. That's incredible. Yeah, so it's it's sort of it's not really the founding story, I guess. It's the, the way that we um, got our got our start with fundraising. Um, Another key component to that was my very first speed skating coach Mm -hmm. um, just happens to have a PhD in neuroscience (laughs) and is a professor in engineering. Is just one of those like um, incredibly smart, caring, passionate people. And he's like an older brother to me. His name's Dr. Sean Ma. And so he helped me um, just with my personal um, healing 
um, progress, right. but then also he helped me develop research programs oh, and okay. wanted to ensure, because he had an academic background, he wanted mm-hmm. to ensure that we um, went into academia with the attitude of let's support this existing system, let's learn what do they want and what do they need and work from there. So he helped connect us to top neuroscientists from across the country and develop these programs with really high, highly scientifically, um, high science standards right. for screening our, our um, research that we funded. Oh, that's incredible. So how long has Branch Out been? Uh, an organization eight years eight years wow so what have you seen how has it grown or developed over the years well the I mean we we started at fifty thousand dollars and cumulatively (laughs) we've raised almost two and a half million now over the eight years so that's one big thing but something yeah and something to note with that is the majority of those two and a half million dollars have come from those twenty to fifty dollar donations, really? which means that we've been hustling for a long time, yeah. <laughs> and it also means that there's a lot of people that t- making twenty to fifty dollar donations that make up two and a half million dollars, which wow. speaks volumes it about does. the number of people that want to see this mission move forward, mm-hmm. and we're starting to gain some interest from larger philanthropists who and and bigger organizations who want to leverage this two and a half million Mm -hmm. and bring us to you know the two and a half million a year kind of level Um, so we've grown a lot in that respect but then in the research we started Mm -hmm. funding undergraduate research moved to master's research phd research and now we're funding at the principal investigator level and we're also funding more and more research, but also putting into pro- in programs like conferences and events that right. help with knowledge translation to the public or to other practitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, we instill a lot of leadership and mm-hmm. um, more of an entrepreneurial spirit spirit into right. the whole research world, which I um, I believe is is lacking in a lot of areas in academia. So um, sure. yeah, yeah, so we've grown to. Yeah, we have two full-time employees. We have a scientific review panel across the country and a board across North America. Wow. And (laughs) um, many committees and um, events and third parties. And um, yeah, so it's it's developing and expanding in all directions um, geographically. And and then most importantly, our impact is also expanding. For sure. Oh, it's amazing. I know I've perused your website many times and I get your monthly newsletter and the information and the vibe from it is so positive and engaging. It's wonderful. So um, it's a charitable organization and you talked a little bit about some of your fundraising events with the bike tour and philanthropy. Can you tell us more about um, your fundraising and how you collect the funds to keep going? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's as simple as us running a bike tour and third party events. And then my full time job is going for coffees and meeting no. people. <laughs> and um, and I do a lot of um, speaking engagements. And through mm-hmm. that, um, people are attracted and want to help and right. make donations and, you know, notify me about grants that might be available. And um, right. we we try to diversify how we fundraise, but focus on what we're best at, which has been events so far, but now we're moving into that philanthropy world. Right, right, for sure. I know I've seen some other things advertised about neuro nights and your brain on art. Are those fundraising events as well? 
Yeah, Your Brain on Art was a fundraising event where we paired neuroscientists with um, local artists, and oh. they painted art that was inspired by the research that we funded. Oh, okay. And part of the entertainment of the evening was also a play written um, in by a, play, a local playwright that was inspired by research that we funded that ah. had to do with Parkinson's and a wearable technology that helped people use music and walking to rewire oh. their brain. Wow, you are just leading on so many fronts. It's so inspiring. So you fund a lot of research from the fundraising events. Uh, what criteria does the research need, need to meet? Yeah, so the criteria, we have pretty high standards to make sure that the science is valid. Um, it has to be non-pharmaceutical, and again, right. not because we're against pharmaceuticals, but because there's already a funding mechanism in place to support right. a lot of ph pharmaceutical research. Mm -hmm. So it has to be non-pharmaceutical, and then we also like to see a lot of innovative technology being used ah. um, in, in the research, but it doesn't have to be. And we, we fund from a basic to translational level of science and right. even clinical trials. Really? Mm -hmm. So... Do you know how many projects you're funding at this moment? At this moment, we're funding 15. Wow, that's and a lot. <laughs> yeah, and so far we've funded over 73 across Western Canada. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, just doing so many wonderful things. So you're a living example of how powerful healthy living is and can be. What would you say to others who may want to explore non-pharmaceutical pharmaceutical treatments to their ailments? Yeah, I, I would say that um, it's a lot easier to, it, it's very intimidating. When you're sick, um, everything's annoying, and <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's very overwhelming. And so I think adopting, first and foremost, the attitude of thinking about everything you can do and everything that you do have as opposed to don't, right. um, and taking it one step at a time and start building sort of a wheel of resources and therapies right. and, and a team of people and, and experts that can help you. And, right. you know, take it one step at a time and start to really trust that you know your body mm -hmm. and that there are so many things in and outside of the healthcare system that you do have access to. With the World Wide Web, um, right. we, <laughs> we can find out a lot as long as you have a strong filter and you have experts to bounce ideas off of and, um, and do some trial and error with. Uh, oh, that's great. And I love the advice one step at a time because you don't want to inadvertently maybe make your condition worse by yeah. not progressing cautiously. So Branch Out is just an incredible organization. I'm sure that takes a lot of your time, but you also do inspirational, motivational speaking engagements. Do you mind telling us about that? Sure, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Brancho Foundation is my full-time job. In the past, I was a nutritionist and I, I did a leadership consulting. Oh, okay. um, and so I do uh, various talks now, <laughs> anywhere from telling my story right. um, and turning into like an inspirational um, speaking opportunity. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and then I talk about health and nutrition and I also talk about um, neuroscience and some of the really innovative, cool neuroscience research that's happening um, right now in Canada. Oh, that's incredible. So that must keep you very busy as well. Do you find, um, like I know for myself, having had a stroke, fatigue is a symptom. Does that affect you at all with your condition? 
Well, this is the beautiful thing of this um, protocol, this natural (laughs) protocol that I've created is that the side effect is that I have lots of energy and that I am very healthy and it wasn't always the case. I had suffered from a lot of fatigue in the past, but it just kept improving and improving. And so... Um, now I, I don't really suffer from fatigue um, oh. unless, you know, I bring it on myself from just working too hard or sleeping too little or whatever the case. Yeah, I can see you're you're quite an achiever and uh, you do a lot of things, as I said again, inspirational. So what are your goals for Branch Out as it grows? Um I have so many goals for Branch Out. We are working towards a very ambitious vision of a world free from neurological disorders. Amazing. Um, Yeah, and so some of our goals is to be funding research across Western Canada, to be raising two to five million dollars a year so that we can sustain um, that research funding. Right. Um, But then also to continue looking at a perspective of eye to eye, which is a a new model that we've created, um, which stands for idea to impact. So looking at all the steps that it takes to get go from ideation Mm -hmm. to helping people and having real impact on people suffering from neurological disorders. So um, part of that movement is we want to establish a world renowned neurocam research center in Mm -hmm. Calgary. That would be fantastic. And I know you said in the beginning, what Neurocam stood for, but do you mind saying it again? I think yeah. it bears being mentioned twice. For sure, yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a mouthful. So it yeah. stands for Neuroscience plus Complementary and Alternative Modalities. Okay. Um, and Or else you could also explain it with non-pharmaceutical <laughs> research and innovative technologies. Right, and Neurocam is just a nice snappy way to say it that people will remember. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so... Any last words for our listeners, many who may have had uh, neurological disorders, events, or any life-altering events? Sure, yeah. So often people will think about my story um, and they'll think, oh, well, you were an elite athlete. Like you mm-hmm. were, you kind of get put in this other category of an extremist who's willing to do everything and someone who's in a maybe vul- more vulnerable situation at the time might think that's unachievable. But the truth is, is the things that I've done for my health have not, haven't been some crazy, crazy um, adventure. It's, it's really been a balance between three main areas, which is healthy thinking, healthy eating, and healthy moving. And so we're talking with healthy moving. It's like find, a, find either a, a, an exercise regimen that works for you or find a personal trainer or a physiotherapist that can help you right. ensure that you move your body consistently in the best way for your um, your health state. Right. Um, and then healthy thinking is how do you, I mean, avoiding stress is basically unavoidable. Yeah, for um, sure. So um, <laughs> thinking about all the ways that you can manage your stress and which mm-hmm. ha- what helps me might not help the other person. So right. I personally like going for a ride and I or I like reading a book or I like mm-hmm. listening to music or I do breathing exercises or I do visualization exercises. So right. I take care of that category in various ways. Right. Um, and then the third one is nutrition. So I'm always kind of tinkering with my diet <laughs> okay. and making sure I eat a, a well-balanced diet. I mean, it's not... It's not neuroscience in that <laughs> sense. Um, I eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of healthy fats, um, minimal meat, but still have lots of protein, right. um, and avoid uh, most most um, dairy products, but not all. Okay. Um, most 
gluten products, but I'll still have a beer. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still very human and I live just a balanced, healthy lifestyle and it's not any kind of extreme, um, um, regiment that is necessary in order to achieve optimal health. It's not magic and any one of us could do it. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. That's just so inspirational. So we really appreciate you sharing your story and your drive to help others. I love your idea to impact. That's wonderful. Your MS was a great life change, but it has led you to do so many great things, and the potential of your organization is endless. So if you're interested in learning more, visit Branchout's website. It's branchoutfoundation.com. And if you have any questions for Crystal, you can contact her through the website. There's a wonderful Meet Crystal page on there. So when life presents the unexpected, embrace it for you never know where it might lead you. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you so much. Did you know that you can follow us on Twitter? At 7jars. We post daily with all the latest stroke research, innovation, and inspiration. Follow us. Now it's time for the joke of the week. Boy, Crystal sure lives a healthy lifestyle. Wow, does she ever. Do you know smoking will kill you? Yeah. Do you know bacon will kill you? I have heard that. But do you know that smoking bacon will cure it? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now it's time for our segment on Survivor Stories. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to share your own stroke or survival story, or your experience as a caregiver, you can submit your story through our website at 7 Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, or personal message us on Facebook. We look forward to reading your story. This episode's stroke story comes to us from Robert Cummings. I'm a survivor of four strokes. In the past year, all of my strokes I've had while sleeping. I've been through a lot of rehab to regain the use of my left arm and hand. Then this past April, I tripped down the stair and broke my ankle, which required surgery to put plates and screws in to repair it. Now I'm having to learn to walk again. I'm determined to eventually get back to normal life. Never give up. Thank you for your story, Robert. You've sure had your own roller coaster ride, but so inspirational. You're so right. Never give up. Now it's time for our stroke link. You know, I really learned a lot from Crystal. And it made me realize how much our lives have changed since your stroke, Christine. Oh, it sure has. Before a stroke, I don't think we would have ever considered doing a podcast together. But the lessons we have learned need to be shared. Yeah, that's for sure. 
we have lots to share, just like Crystal does. You know, in Season 1, Episode 6, we had Ty the Neuro Guy on. He's the Director of Research from Branch Out. That was a great interview. We recommended Branch Out's website then, but it has so much great information, we're going to recommend it again. That's right, we are. They always have new articles, blogs, and great information. I read one article about the Mediterranean diet and how it could help slow down dementia. You know, research has shown that stroke survivors are more susceptible to dementia. Oh, that's really interesting. And it fits in with non-pharmaceutical interventions. And it's tasty. Best part, it includes red wine. You know, the link will be on our Facebook page. But I just want to give it to you again. It's www.branchoutfoundation.com. Check it out. Last but not least, remember FAST, F-A-S-T, Face, Arm, Speech, Time. If you or a loved one experience any changes in your face, arm, or speech, time to get yourself to the hospital quickly. You can call 911 in Canada for emergencies or for inquiries, you can call HealthLink in Canada at one 866 408 5465 and talk to a healthcare professional. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like us on Facebook or if you have any questions, comments, jokes, or ideas for future topics, contact us at our website, sevenjarsofhotpickledpeppers.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to hear more about Christine's journey, please check out the website. Her book is available for purchase. Thank you for joining us today. We know life can be tough, unfair, but you're stronger than you think, and you're not alone. Goodbye and good health. <laughs>